Hello, church family. Uh, this is going to be the beginning of Esther chapter 6. Uh, sorry about last Friday. I wasn't able to do the Q&A because I felt a little bit under the weather, so I decided to take some time to recover. Uh, but I promise, I will, uh, well, Lord willing, <laughs> uh, I will try to um, get a Q&A this, this coming week. Uh, so chip, uh, Esther chapter 6, this is, the, in my mind, probably the most hilarious chapter in all of definitely this book and probably the entire Bible because of all the twists and turns there are in this book. Uh, this book is just filled with uh, humor as well as irony and even just all the, the way that the Lord orchestrate everything out. Uh, it's just funny to me. Uh, and it's, it's just it's amazing to me because I have to always remember myself that these are real people. These happen to real people. These are real events and real people had re- suffered real consequences because of all the things that's happened. And I think as we go through uh, Esther chapter 6, one of the things you will find is that uh, pride can really destroy and ruin someone. Uh, if some of you guys know about the Greek uh, character Narcissus, uh, he was this hunter, and depending on the version that you hear, uh, there he was uh, the guy that, that looked at his face. Uh, he wasn't drawn to anyone because he felt that all these other women in the world were not, was not beautiful enough. And one day as he was hunting, he saw a, a little pond, and he looked upon himself, and he stared at it, and he said, perfection. Um, and he just was entranced by his own beauty. And again, depending on which uh, version you read, one version was um, he he couldn't look away from his own beauty, and he was saddened by the fact that he his reflection cannot love him back. So he died, and he died by turning into uh, gold and a flower. Uh, while another version is that he stared into it, and he accidentally touched it, and, and, and his reflection disappeared. And out of desperation, he jumped into the water, and he ended up killing himself. Um, but either way, the, the, whichever version you read, the, the, the conclusion was the same, is that his pride was what got him killed. Pride affects all of us in various ways, in different ways. Um, and if we were to be honest with ourselves, we can never um, repent enough of our pride. We are always um, self-focused in the way that we are. And there's so many different facets and ways in which we do it. Uh, but there is a reality of pride is that pride is is against the glory of God. Um, you're not as great as God. Your value and your dignity and worth and everything only comes from God. Yet when we brag about ourselves, when we put ourselves in the center of the, of the, of the universe, we're essentially saying that we are more important than God. Pride always leads to our own destruction. And it's just something that we need to remember, that if we attempt to compete against God for his glory, we will always come up short. You will always come up short. And that's actually going to be, uh, we're going to get back to this point, but again, for our first uh, session or section of the uh, of the week, I usually just talk through the text. So Esther chapter 6. Again, if you guys haven't heard the other ones, feel free to go back to it. I'm just going to summarize what's going on right now. Uh, chapter Three of Esther, um, there was a guy named Haman that wanted to kill the Jews. And the reason why he wanted to kill all the Jews was because of one individual named Mordecai that did not honor him the way that he wanted to be honored. So he he devised a plan to kill all the Jews. Mainly he was supposed to kill Mordecai, but he wanted to wipe out every single one of them. Um, chapter 4, 
uh, Haman, uh, his plot is being is, is made known to to Mordecai as well as Esther, and, there, and, he, and Mordecai tells him tells Esther, "You need to figure something out for us because if you don't rescue us, someone's going to rescue us. But if you were placed in this position to rescue us, then <laughs> then you will be you're just going to uh, you know you're going to be used by God to save us. But if not, this, the Lord will deliver us." Um, and Esther has no clue about what, whether or not she is, but she fasted for three days, uh, and she decided to go and try to save her people. That's what we see in chapter five. Chapter five, um, Esther has this banquet. Uh, she, you know, she made herself presentable uh, to go to the king, and as she did so. She put her life at stake, and she, and she, it worked. It paid off. Uh, she didn't get killed, and she asked her husband uh, if she could have a meal with them and have this banquet. Uh, the king asked, "What do you want?" And the king and Esther, for some reason, decided to change uh, last minute to instead of letting her request be known uh, to the king, then to say, "I want another banquet with both Haman and uh, the king." So, uh, and then the, uh, Haman gets uh, puffed up by this. He gets really excited, and he goes tells his wife about how uh, the queen. And the king invited him to this one banquet, but he is so fierce because he saw Mordecai, and just the fact that he's still alive and not paying homage to him infuriates him and robs him of all sense of happiness. So, chapter, end of chapter five, it begins with this: uh, uh, the the wife of of Haman tells him, "I'll just kill him, just make this uh, gallows and just kill him the next day." And Mordecai thought that this was a great idea. So, chapter six begins with this: during that night, so this is the probably chronologically the, around the same time as uh, the end of chapter 5. During that night, the king could not sleep, so he gave an order to bring the book of the records, the chronicles, uh, and they were read before the king. So the king, uh, so it's interesting because it was happened to be that night, this particular night. If there was, if the king had insomnia the night, a night sooner or a night later, he would not have been able uh, to to read this and this 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 record uh he for some reason could not sleep and uh um this was the only time that he felt uh to read his little chronicles like a history book of all things that happened verse two it was found written that mordecai reported concerning big big thana and terash two of king's eunuchs who were doorkeepers that had sought to lay hands on king azuharis the king said what honor or dignity has been bestowed of mordecai for this and the, then the king's servant who who attended him said, nothing has been done for him. Uh, and so then again, this is a kind of like a, a plot thread that was um, left out in the end of chapter 2. Remember, this is uh, at the end of chapter 2, uh, Mordecai saves the king. Uh, apparently it was written down. And whether the king did not realize it or he forgot about it, um, he didn't know about it or he forgot about it, whichever way, uh, it's, he just didn't, he, at this point, he just kind of surprised by it. And if he forgot about it, it's no surprise, because remember, at the beginning of chapter 2, he had no idea where his own his own queen went. And that's the whole reason why Esther came into play. Um, so he was, uh, so the king happened to think, okay, what are we going to do for Mordecai? And uh, and he they said that there was no rewards for him. Um, but it's also interesting, because if anything was, if something was done before, even at the end of chapter 2, then the Jews would not have been rescued at this point. We know that in the, in the rest of the book that the Jews will be saved. But if the king knew about it then, in the end of chapter, uh, at the end of chapter two, gave Mordecai the recognition that he deserved then, then God would not have 
been able to, well, I mean, God could have done anything, but uh, Esther and Mordecai would not have been able to be used by God in this way, in this particular way. So he had to have, Mordecai had to have been overlooked by the king. Verse 4, so the king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered uh, the outer court of the king's palace in order to speak to the king about the hanging Mordecai on the gallows, which he prepared for him. So this is probably a few hours later, so that, like that evening and then that the next day, uh, he asked uh, who's in the court, who could give him advice. Again, this is a king that always is looking for advice in terms of what to do. So he said, oh, Haman's out there. Again, this is, you could see how God is moving and putting the place pieces, the people in the right places. Uh, Mordecai just was infuriating the night, infuriated by Mor- at Mordecai the night before and decides to go the next day. And he just so happened to walk uh, uh, into the, uh, the king's court when the king was looking for advice. Right in, in the beginning of verse 4, it said, Now Haman had just entered. Uh, had even later, or if someone else came in earlier, it might have a different outcome. Verse 5, the king's servant said to him, Behold, Haman is standing in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. And it's interesting, because again, this is an allusion back to what happened earlier when the queen wasn't able to, wasn't sure. And remember, the queen said that like the only people that could go into the courts or the king summons him. No one could walk into the king's courts without uh, being told. And this is what happens. This is when the, ki- the queen wasn't able to get get that, but uh, Haman was able to get the summons from the king. Verse 6, so Haman came in, and the king said, What is it to be done for the man whom the king desires to honor? And Haman said to himself, Whom would the king desire to honor more than me? And it's so funny because, the, remember, Haman came in with this plan about how like, hanging Mordecai, and he never actually got a chance to explain why he was there. He said right when he gets in there, he thought, oh, wow, the king needs me. I'm the first person he's talking to. That he needs my counsel. So he, in his mind, he forgets what he wanted to do. He asks uh, Mordecai, what do you, uh, uh, how do we, how can we give honor to someone? And then Mordecai said to himself, he thought to himself, well, who else can the king give this honor to other than myself? Um, so this is what Haman does. He starts talking about things that he wants. Verse 7, then Haman said to the king, for the man whom the king desires to honor, let him bring a royal robe which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, and, that, and whose head a royal crown has been placed. In the cultural context, this is the highest and most uh, prestigious thing you can get from anyone uh, in our day it would be like winning like the Pulitzer Prize if you're a journalist or if you had like uh, the red carpets laid for you and you're winning some award, uh, whatever it may be. This is like the, the grandest type of uh, praise that you could get. <clears throat> and this is what he wants. He, he said that he, whoever the king desired to honor, should have all of these things. Verse 9, and to let the robe and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble princes and let him array the man with the king's desire to honor and lead him on the horseback through the city square and proclaim before him thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desires to honor basically what uh haman wants is like he wants to have this robe on on the king's horse with this crown on head walking around and telling everyone hey look how this is the man that the king is honored this is the our man of the year kind of thing. He wants uh, he wants that for himself. He told he told the king that this is what uh, the the man that the king uh, should be honored should be. This is how they should be honored. Verse ten. Then the king said to Haman, "Take quickly the robes and the horses as you have said, 
and do so for Mordecai the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not fall short of anything of all you have done. So it's funny, again, to me, because he tells them all these things, and then Haman probably thought, okay, all right, I'm going to get all this right now. And so he uses, <laughs> the king uses Haman and tells him to do all things that he, he just said, but give to Mordecai instead. And, he, <laughs> and it must be, I think, again, it's hilarious to me because he, I'm just trying to imagine what Haman's face is like when he heard, when he saw, when he heard this, um, that like all the things he wanted is given to someone else. Verse 11. So Haman took the robe and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and led him on the, <laughs> excuse me, and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desired to honor. Now we know for a fact that Haman and Mordecai has some sort of conflict over one another. So it must be confusing to Mordecai where he's all of a sudden, uh, the next, like, you know, few days ago, he was saying, oh, we got we got to kill all the Jews, and Mordecai felt bad. Now, all of a sudden, the guy that um, that worked with the king to kill him is, like, parading around. Like, he might be thinking, is this part of the plan? What did Esther do? You know, why am I being praised for all of this? Um, and Mordecai is, like, probably, yeah, he's like riding around, but Haman's probably devastated. Every time he has to say this, does it shall be done to the man whom the king desired to honor? He's probably dreading it, and, and he gets to, he's doing this publicly throughout the entire city praising Mordecai. Verse 12, Then Mordecai returned, his home, returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried home, mourning with his head covered. This is, again, a role reversal. Uh, where in chapter 4, Mordecai was the one uh, putting on sackcloth and weeping. Now Haman is doing the same thing. He's like covering his head and bears and crying and weeping. And he goes to his wife, cries to his wife. Haman recounts Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends, everything that has happened to him. Then his wise men and Jerish, his wife said, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish origin, you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. Now this is very interesting because even the wise men here and his wife acknowledge that God is at work here. Although they don't list, he doesn't list Yahweh, they don't list Yahweh, this, what she's saying, or what they're all saying, is that this plan of yours is not going to work. Um, it's just not going to work. Uh, he will survive, and he will overcome uh, Haman. Verse 14. While they were still talking, this is almost like if you're familiar to if you're familiar with Job, when Job lost each of his family, or each not each successive bad news, it seemed like it was in the middle of something, and then. They were interrupted. So this is what's going on here. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuch arrived and hastily brought Haman to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. So you have to wonder, this last thing that Haman hears from his wife, if it was, a tra- was it causing him to think, okay, this is over for me. Like there, or he's, there must be some sort of, he, he, there's no way out for him now. You know, he, he, he knew that like maybe this is God's working against him. But it was his own pride, you know, all of this because of his own pride. And now he realizes, what well, he realizes that his own pride has brought him to is now too late. And just on a side note, if you're a Jewish person reading this, or even if you're a Jewish person at the time of this, you must be thinking to yourself how how weird it is. Remember back in chapter 4, um, Mordecai said that if Esther doesn't deliver him, then someone will come and deliver them. If you were a Jew... 
just not in the context of chapter six, not that long ago, the king just made this edict about, okay, in a year from now, we're going to kill all the Jews. Then all of a sudden, you see Haman, uh, you know, imagine walking around, pulling this horse with Mordecai behind him. And it's like, isn't that Mordecai the Jewish guy? Isn't he the guy that, like, uh, caused all of this problem? It's like, yeah. And isn't that Haman, the guy that was with the king that made the eating to kill all the Jews? Yes. So it's like, what's going on here? I, I bet this, I bet this was the most confusing time for the Jews because they just got some news and they remember this was a time where they said that the rules cannot be broken. So they're seeing all this. They're seeing like this one nobleman is promoting a guy that he wants to kill. But at the same time, there's a law saying that all the Jews will be killed. So this is like almost like fake news to the max. Like they don't even know what they're looking at. But yet God, in light of all the confusion, is working all these things out to protect his people. So uh, as I said earlier, uh, some of the application that we can think about is about pride. Um, again, I'm going to say this line again. If you attempt to compete God for his glory, you will become a rival of God and you will always come up short. So I want us to focus this week and just have some self-evaluation to help us uh, see our pride. I mean, we, we look at ourselves, uh, we, we tend to look at ourselves in a positive light, but we, I want to have use this week to really get a chance to look at our, soberly at, at our own sin of pride and see how we can overcome that. Because if we hold on to the pride in our life, eventually our downfall will come. So uh, I'll just list out the points now. We'll walk through it throughout this week, but I'll have... I have five points. I might add more throughout the week, but five uh, areas of of pride um, that we work on. Uh, first is self delusion. Second is self praise. Next is self humiliation. Then self loathing, and then lastly, the results of pride is self destruction. So we can kind of see like the the path of pride. Uh, but each of these uh, areas was going to, should reveal to us why we need to stay humble before the Lord. Okay, I look forward to going through the study with you. Uh, see you guys soon. Take care. Bye.